Thanks for that little introduction. Me. Oh, why don't I watch that clock? I know it's there for you to see. As soon as your face, you start smirking, I realise that you've done me in again. It's not on, son. Oh. Not on. And welcome to It's In The Jeans podcast, a podcast by The Digital Gene. My name is Declan. I'm Sharon. And we're a mum and son duo and directors from The Digital Gene. Today we'll be discussing Facebook versus Australia, um, Uber ruling and what it means for the gig economy, women on boards, HSBC to slash office space. Um, you've put when dinosaurs roamed the earth, but it's not about dinosaurs, is it? Oh. Dinosaurs, it's just I'm calling it's relating to dinosaurs, metaphorical dinosaurs, mm-hmm. which gives a bit of a counter argument to HSBC slashing their office space and spying emails, which mum's just shoved on the show notes. I haven't got a clue what it's about, so I'll be blagging that bit. Well, we may not, it seems like we've got a lot to discuss there, lot to chat about. We may not get through it all. Mm-hmm. But firstly, we've got a lockdown roadmap. Woo. Oh, even we did. I was going to say, have we? You mean, you mean the UK? It's not us personally. I was looking. For, I was a bit. I was feeling very vague. I was. We've got a lockdown roadmap, have we? The country. We, the people. Yeah. The people. Thank Christ, my God. I mean. Yeah, but, um. It's fabulous, and I felt really positive about it the other day, and I still do. But put your hands up, anybody who's listening, who feels really, like, out of sorts and blur and just... If I could see those hands, I feel like there'd be a lot of people raising them. We certainly do, don't we? I feel... I mean, looking at us, I mean, people can't see us, but we both look haggard. (laughs) We do. Thank you. Good job. This isn't going on YouTube. No, but um, I just think we both look, yeah. I look how I feel. Yeah. Basically, it's a it's it's it gets weirder by the week. How the 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 range of emotions that I feel we're going through, and um, you know, chatting to people on social. Like, and it seems like collectively, everybody is feeling the same. Obviously, you've got your really positive pants people who are always positive no matter what. And I wish, and in lots of cases, I like to I think of them. One. Hey? <laughs> and I wish they'd do one. You wish they'd do one. I, I, I hate perpetually like positive people. And I do like to think, I do always like to think of both sides of the coin. And I try to be positive, but. I just feel like I'm somehow locked in. I don't want to use the term bubble because obviously that gets used a lot, but it does. I feel sort of locked in time somehow. Mm. You know, when you're working from, even us as a remote team, we still like to go out and about and, you know, catch up with each other, if nothing else, you know, have meetings in real life with each other. But at the minute, it's just shuffle, 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 go to your desk, do your work. If you're lucky, you might get out for a little walk around about. I mean, how hilarious is this? We did a tour of the local graveyard on Sunday. <laughs> and that's that's what it's come to, the highlights of our week. And actually, it's a very interesting graveyard because it's one of the oldest in the area. So there's quite a lot going on in it and there's lots of history which I always like but the ama- not amazing hilarious thing was how busy it was it's like the go-to place for for a walkabout <laughs> um, I'm excited for I'm just excited for like when we have this bit at the beginning before we get into digital techie bits we'll actually have something else to talk about oh I feel it yeah like other than How's the lockdown going? Because it's boring as hell. It is boring. And I generally do think this will be the last time, whether it's 
even with even if there was a COVID spike, I don't think people are willing to live like this for much longer. Well, I did feel as if the way that the the Bojo delivered it the other day, I did feel like it felt a bit more grown up of them, a bit more considered. Like they weren't actually promising stuff. They were saying, you know, if we meet this, this is what will happen. Da, da, da. And it seemed it seemed a very more considered process of what we were going to do rather than before I was like yeah we're out of lockdown for five minutes yeah now we're back in um it, it just seemed more considered which which made me feel more positive about it because really like we've all got that big 21st of June date in our heads but that is a long way away well even April even the first date in April feels a long way away at the minute is it April the 12th yeah, it's 12. I've got them all in my calendar. <laughs> I mean, it's, even that feels a long way. You know, March March is always a lovely month because it's Mother's Day and it's usually Easter. It is Easter this year, isn't it? Is it is no, Easter the beginning no. of April. Yeah. It's that time when the daffodils and the crocuses and people start buying new clothes, like springy-type clothes, and just everything seems a lot more coming alive, doesn't it? Like every spring is springing, as they say. So I always think it's quite a nice month, March, but it's a long month. Um, so yeah, we've got a. The, the brilliant thing is the nights are getting much much lighter, quickly now, and we'll be able to spend some time out in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's like being. I feel like we're in a Victorian era. Like oh, you've got to be positive. You can spend a little bit of time in your garden now. I almost feel it like I almost feel overwhelmed by it as well. The thought of come the longest day, we'll be able it'll it'll be a free for all potentially. It was hilarious. Well, I thought it was hilarious. I did a little checklist on on my Instagram stories the other night. All the things that we need to do to get ready for post COVID, like how to wear a bra again, how to walk in heels, how to apply a full face of makeup. Um, then somebody messaged me and said, oh, you know, and a brow tidy up. I was like, oh, my God, how did I forget about the HD brows? Um, a haircut. Oh, you know, all of those things. I just feel how, in in many respects, like I've forgotten how to live, live yeah. that sort of life outside. Yeah. Um, and it's making me feel a bit anxious that I almost, in some ways, quite like the safety of my bubble. And now it's like I've got to, like, learning how to socialise. Like, how do you order a drink at the bar? <laughs> how do you do all those things that we I'm just... I'm waiting for the first time you can have, like, a free-for-all boogie. There'll be so many, like, isn't this weird? Isn't this weird? Like, it's like one of those, but, you know, when you know when you're at um, a dance, like a family gathering, and who's going to get up first? Yeah, or it'll just be lots and lots of people screaming to run onto the dance floor because they've, there'll be lots of memes going about. Well, I've already seen them anywhere. Well, I've booked that day off, boss. All right, the twenty first of June. I am. I'm going to Manchester. Do not declare it a bank holiday. <laughs> well, I'm in Manchester the Sunday till the Tuesday. So it's a Monday, isn't it? Yes, it I, I think, think they've tried. I think it should be a bank holiday. I think we should be having street parties, personally. Yeah. In fact, I think I'll declare it now. It's a holiday. What, for us as a business? For us as a business. We'll, we'll, we'll have that day off. Right. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I like it. Thank you. Well, yeah, so I'm going to be... It's Father's Day the day before, actually, so... Oh, is before. it? Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, it's it's nerve wracking. It, but it is tentative. It's exciting. Um, it just, but they have said that they do think by June twenty twenty two, another fifty thousand people will have died of COVID. So it's not that we beat it. It's just that we've kind of set the levels of acceptability. Unfortunately, you know, disappointed um, me though. Not wanting to digress, but. Um, and you'll probably correct me about, you know, have I got it right? But isn't the northeast one of the, well, something about how the um, over fifties were going to get 
vaccinate quite quickly. But the mm. northeast is one of the is one of the only areas that's not. Did you see that? I know there seems there seems to there's been a slowdown this week in availability of supply of the vaccines anyway. Um, but I don't think that like I think you will get a text relatively soon. I hope so. I was gonna I was gonna try and find it. I tell you, you announced it. Everybody over sixty can rank, can book a place now, and you're only a few years. Sorry to tell oh, everyone. There he is, grinding that in. No, yeah, it, but you're, um, you're only a few years younger than that now, so it won't be long. It'll be. I reckon you'll be. You'll. I reckon you'll get your first dose next next month. It was. Um, I tell you who it was. It was Andy Preston, our local mayor, who'd mentioned something about. Um, the issue with with the northeast being one of the only areas that the over fifties uh, were going to struggle with. Keep talking. I'm just going to find it because I I remember commenting on it. Well, I've seen something like it, but I just thought, oh, there must be an election due. <laughs> okay. I definitely. I remember. I remember commenting on it. And saying, why am I why am I not surprised that um, you know the northeast gets left out of something once again? I know there's a mass vaccination centre opening in Stockton, isn't there? Is there? Yeah. Hmm. The vaccine rollout's going really well, Mum. You'll get your you'll get. I guarantee. I reckon you'll get yours. Yeah, you'll be asked at least to book your first dose next month in March. Easy. Right. Easy. <laughs> Well, there, oh, it is. there it is. He's usually he's usually disappointed to discover that the northeast is not among the nine areas on target to give over fifties their first vaccine by March the ninth. Um, there was a there was a list there was a list published, and you know the northeast wasn't wasn't in it. Well, I think that's very fast. Well, Do apparently, everyone, we were, everyone. go on. Apparently they were on target to do that. Well, they've only slipped this, but it, 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 there's an issue with the Pfizer vaccine supply. So the government insisted on redirecting vaccine supplies to those down south who had fallen behind. Do you remember that a few weeks ago? Now it yeah. seems that the northeast has fallen behind, but there's no suggestion that the vaccines will be redirected back to the northeast to allow us to catch up. So I don't know. I'm sure that the world there isn't going to be like some national scandal where nobody in Middlesbrough over fifties got the, not had the vaccine. Like, the northeast. Well, even that that's not going to be a thing. So I mean, all the people who don't want the vaccine, what do you make of that? There isn't that many people in the UK that aren't coming forward. There was something on the news last night about, and you know, I only half listened because I'm just like a bit bored. Um, <laughs> But something about care homes, you know, not enough people coming forward who work in care homes for the vaccine. It's quite a high percentage or something. Well, I know there's some care provider that said if they're not vaccinated, they're not allowed to work for them. All right. Can they do that? Well, they're a private company that can do what they like. Right. Okay. You can say you can't work for the digital gene if you're not vaccinated. Um. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure how that would stand in a court of law. Well, they, they are. They will. Employers will do it. Private companies can do what they want. It's like Qantas have said you're not allowed on their aeroplanes if you're not vaccinated. Like, it's going to start happening. Mm. Um, there's absolutely no reason, unless it's medical, that you can't get it. There's no reason why you shouldn't get it. You're just this, like, conspiracy theorist. Like, vaccinations have saved the world. Like, we eradicated smallpox, which used to be horrendous throughout history because of a vaccination. Yeah. You know, they're not some... I was like... And those people know. say, oh, it's it's been ruled out, you know, it's been created too quickly. Well, of course, it has. They've thrown billions of dollars, pounds, yen, whatever at it. <laughs> To, to speed it up, haven't they? You know, normally these these um, these vaccinations they've got to go through a process, and a lot of it is down to to funding. And they've it- been through the process anyway. It's just yeah. when it just was accelerated way faster. Um, but 
Yeah, I th- and I, th- they reckon it'll probably get. Uh, they reckon it'll probably get mixed in with the flu jab as well if we need. Yeah, I read that. So mum just went like that because we've obviously been talking about, she did the signal that we've been talking about COVID too much, but it's you who's been talking. Well, I'm saying wrap it up because it, it's sort of... Wrap yourself up then. God. I'm I'm... Head clamped down there. Zip there. Okay. It just I gets think... boring, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, that's one of the, for the podcast. That's why I can't wait to be like, oh, we're recording. Where have you been? Oh, well, I've been in so-and-so. Oh, you've been there. And, like, I've got, I've already booked, like, four weekends away in the summer. So, we're well, hopefully. We started about holidays because, yeah. We're going in September on a family holiday. That'll happen. Okay. I don't see why you're being pessimistic to think it won't. Will you find us one, then? Well, I'd, if you're going to give me that task, I will. Great. There's that kind of holiday. Have you have you heard how much inquiries have gone through the roof for people? I have, yeah. So let's get it. Let's get to it. We struggled even to get down for that week in the Cotswolds last summer. That oh, was we'll before go. all this people running out saying, "I'm free, I'm free." We'll go when the kids go back, so then it'll be a bit quieter. It doesn't make any difference these days. If you can't advertise your own business and your own podcast, when can you? As you may have guessed, Mum and I are the founding directors of The Digital Gene. We're a web design, e-commerce and software development agency that designs and builds powerful digital solutions to your problems. We love what we do and it's reflected in the websites and software we deliver. Right, let's move on to some topics okay. then. Okay. So, first one is Australia versus um, Facebook. So the, I realised the Guardian article that I sent you was quite complicated. <laughs> um, what does I didn't that really... mean? Pardon? The Guardian article that I sent you, Mum, was quite complicated. It was. What does that mean? I still understood it. Oh, well, I, well, I'm saying I didn't. Sort yourself so, Well, I'll try and set the scene for it. Facebook have banned or did ban for a time news publishers from posting, like banning their pages on social on the, on Facebook. They've done it because the Australian government have said that the big Basically, is it that they're getting a bit too big for the boots? Um, I guess my understanding of it is that, and I may be wrong, my understanding of it is that Facebook is is being able to generate the flow of all of this news and the news organisations want the credit for it, want some money for it, don't they? Because they're the ones going out on the front line, you know, getting that news in and delivering it, and then Facebook are just passing it all around the social platform. Oh, yeah. I read. So I read a further article on BBC just before the podcast, and it said that the, the com, news publishers are complaining that basically Facebook are becoming like an editor of the yeah. news. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was a bit on the BBC where it said that when they change their algorithms, nobody's told. So all of a sudden, all of these news um, publishers, when it, <laughs> it went to more towards video a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um all these news publishers had to start edit um hiring new uh, video editors to to keep up with how to get their news but it's kind of like uh it's like one can't well facebook can probably still exist without the news but it's it's kind of like they both can't exist without each other in the sense that if well, they, because everything, you know, the digital transformation of how news is delivered mm. most, is all online now, isn't it? Yeah. So if, if they're not going to share it, their readers are, aren't they? It's going to be shared mm. one way or the other. Um, but I guess... Yeah, but I think what's, what's pressing is also if you remove all those news publishers, mm-hmm. then Facebook in Australia 
even quite quickly becomes even more of a cesspit of um, news, untrue news, fake news, that and and conspiracy theories because you don't have that cut through anymore of the likes of Sky News or BBC or whatever being able to post their content. Yeah, so, so you will know what's new because normally if you see if you see a news article and you're not sure about it, the first thing you do is go and search for one of the ones that you trust, isn't it, to see if it's on there. Um, and then if you see that it's on there, you're sort of like, oh, well, that is a, ver-, you know, what I saw earlier was like a version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't have that anymore, then you'll struggle to know, won't you, what's true and what isn't. Well, yeah, because you're just kind of left without any reputable news source. And yes, Facebook can still, there can still be news sources that aren't true. But if the likes of a news outlet put a headline out, it's more than the journalists have come up with it, they've read it, they've wrote the article and they've published it and they're a retro, re, I can't say, reputable news source. Um, but I think what it, this sets the precedent that I think we mentioned on the podcast before about how is big tech going to face its reckoning in the sense that I think a lot of other countries were watching what was happening in Australia mm. Um and they've kind of had to back down. Because basically what they were saying, these news corporations were saying, they Facebook should pay us for our content. Mm-hmm. But then Facebook have said, you wouldn't do this well without us. So it's, so it's kind of like what I'm trying to say is, there might be all these challenges now, the reckoning of big tech that might happen. But I feel like it's got so big that it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's got too far out of control before anybody's recognised that something needs to be done. It's mm. like it's almost like, to put it in a simplified way, for me to understand it, it's almost like Facebook is the actual newspaper and everything else, you know, everybody else is going out and creating the news to, to put in the paper. Um, but what they're saying is, if you want my story, like freelance journalists used to do, you know, if you want my story, this is how much it is. Or if you want my picture, this is how much it is. Um, and I guess they're concerned, aren't they, as well? So there's two concerns. One is about the truth of news. And second is about generating income and lost revenue, isn't it, for these these big organisations, these big global news organisations? Because I think the moment social platforms... So when Trump was banned off Twitter... Twitter always said they kind of wouldn't do that because they're just a publisher. They're not an editor in itself. Mm. But the more that I think social platforms maybe this is where it gets complicated. If social platforms do start to have editorial um, decisions made about what's on there, mm-hmm. that also kind of it stirs up all sorts. Um, and I just kind of worry that it, just the example that it, it sets that basically they both back down because you can't you can't reach people anymore without us and you can't have your um just neither of them can exist without one another yeah they need it's like a coexistence they both would yeah. be yeah yeah it's um it's scary that we've said, that I think we definitely have mentioned this before about how big these tech, how, you know, there's a reason they're called giants, isn't it? Tech giants. Um, and, and how far things have allowed to get before somebody's thought, hey, hang on a minute, you've got way too much control. Now, how do they take some of that control back? Mm. Yeah. And I think, I think, the toothpaste out of the, the the tube, is that what you say? Oh, I've never heard that before. Isn't well, it can't... the toothpaste out of the tube? Oh, well, you can't get it back in, can you? It's a good... Uh... Oh, you must have heard that before. I've never heard that one. The toothpaste out of the tube. Yeah, it's like, well, it's out now. You can't get it back it, I've never heard that. I've heard... What, what's the other... The old-fashioned one? The horse has bolted. Horses bolted once the stable doors closed or something. Oh, I never used to say that. All of that was just used to say oh, it's too late. The horses bolted. Oh, no, that's been used loads in the um, 
due to this pandemic. Like toothpaste is out of the tube. No, the the horses one like the them quarantining people coming in only starting a couple of weeks ago, and it's like, well, we should have been doing that from yeah. March. No, it's too late. Is that one of your own? No, that's the thing. Never heard of it, Declan. Oh, that's another thing that loads of my friends in Leeds haven't hadn't heard of egg in a bun. Oh, that's a hair thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I went, oh, have they got an egg in a bun? And they all looked, two of my friends kind of like looked at me and were like, what are you talking about? I was like, it's where you've got just hair on the sides and the back. And yeah, it was I like I was speaking. I really don't like those phrases. <laughs> Why? I don't know. There's just something cringy about them. Egg in it, have you got an egg in it? No, I just don't like it. Are you like squirming as if you think it's rude? I'm not squirming as if I think it's rude. I just, I just think to describe somebody's hair as egg in a bun, it's just, oh, I don't even know how I feel about it. Just, it's, yeah, move on, please. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, yeah, that, that will just, so that was kind of, Australia's kind of having a proxy battle um, of mm. regulation and trying to regulate Google and Facebook. And we've left the EU which this country said would lead to deregulation of things. But I think it will be interesting to see if the EU in coming years try to take on the tech giants as well. Um, I know Google's been trying... Rocky music in the background when you talk about that. I know Google... She's bored now. I know Google's been fined quite a lot through GDPR by the EU already, so we'll see. I feel yeah. like this might be a, an ongoing theme of the podcast. Oh, not another ongoing theme. Like, I want it, yeah, I, I want it to be more than about COVID. It's like a COVID podcast. And I know <laughs> that's everybody's life, isn't it, at the minute? So, yeah. Yeah. Right, let's move on to Uber. Thoughts? Uber. Uber, Uber, Uber. So I'll set the scene for this one. I feel like we've been very like good with the, the news bits this time. Mm. Um, the UK Supreme Court dismissed an appeal by the by Uber um, against a law court's judgment that its drivers should be classed as workers rather than self-employed. This means that they're entitled to holiday pay, sick pay and the minimum wage. And the decision strikes not only the heart of the company's business model, but the gig economy generally. Um, totally agree yeah because I feel like my understanding of a true freelancer is that you pick and choose your work Um, so if you were a driver and you had five or six versions of Uber type businesses telling you there was a job if you wanted to pick it up that's to me is you decide if you want to go and pick that job but if if it's just Uber and you're waiting for their calls and they're expecting you to go and pick that ride up, then for all intents and purposes, you're at their beck and call. And when you're at somebody's beck and call, that's like being an employee. Mm. Isn't it? Well, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think they're allowed to, they're not allowed to work for other people either. Um, I don't know. I, don't know. It. I just know that that's my, that's my interpretation of the fact that you're tied into somebody. You haven't got the freedom. Yeah. The cars have Uber on them, don't they? So it's like, well, how could they then go work for another? Because there's quite a lot now in London. When I was down in London at the beginning of last year, um, a few of my friends were like, oh, don't use Uber. There's there's other ones now that are all the pretty much the same thing. No, well, it was um, the same for me with my friend. My friend was using one called, I'm going to say Capstan, which is... Oh, Captain. Captain. Captain, yeah. I've got it. I was using. I thought your friend was going to use that Addison Lee, which is that bougie one. Oh, I don't know about the bougie one, but I feel as if I need to know. Is this when you got picked up straight out the door outside of Blondie at Brixton? <laughs> yeah, Blondie was with us. <laughs> we don't stay in Brixton. <laughs> we snorted then, Declan. Did you hear that? I thought you said we snorted. We did a little snort then when you were laughing. About you and Debbie Harry snorting. <laughs> no, actually, what I did say that night was I wanted whatever she was on. 
And yeah. <laughs> Honestly, she never, she rocked that stage. Um, that was just, I mean, she's 70, early 70s, I think. No way. She is. She isn't. She is. I'm going to, she is. <laughs> I'm going to confirm that to you now. She actually is. 75. That's like grandma's age. <laughs> She's 75. Can you, can you imagine grandma? Can you imagine grandma? But the whole she was on that stage. So that was two years ago. So she was 73. Yeah, wow. Um, from the minute she walked on that stage, she never stopped. And I remember us, we were sweating and flaking out, you know, and we were like, we want what she's on. Mm. Anyway, back to Uber. To Uber. <laughs> I think that it's a. I think that it's a good thing. You're always trying to get the. If I was in power, you're always trying to find the balance of. Digital has allowed a lot of innovation, mm-hmm. but then you also can't get rid of workers' rights. Um, so it's always about finding the balance between people wanting more flexibility, but then also if they are pretty much employed by you in all in uh, all in apart from name itself, mm. that they have the same workers' rights that um, they would have had if they were employed. I think you know it might get passed on the, to the consumer, but maybe we've learned that you can do things too cheap like maybe uber was too cheap and unrealistic with if if uber want to provide their staff with the rights that everyone else would in a job maybe you can't have rides for three pound odd or whatever Mm. yeah because there's there's nothing left other than for them to make some money out of it yeah exactly yeah you can't you can't have all the perks that surround Working for a big company, maybe. I don't know. I'm. I mean, we're very similar. That we think a lot about fairness, and uh, yeah, I, wholeheartedly, you want businesses to be successful, and no doubt they were a success all over the world. Are even still are, aren't they? Obviously, it's not like they've gone under or anything. But there's got to be an element of fairness for people, and there's there's been lots of discussion, hasn't there, about you know, the gig economy and freelancers and the government have been trying to bring in that law or whatever it is about, you know, employing, employing in speech marks, freelancers, the IR35. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, there's got there's got to be some element of fairness that if you expect a freelancer per se to be at your beck and call, you know, if somebody, if, if I was doing it and they said, oh, oh, well, I wanted you tomorrow, I really need you, you've got to come here, or you've got to do this for me. Like, you, you can't. If You know, you've got to be able to choose. And so when that freedom is taken away from you, you're not then a true, you're not truly working for yourself. Mm. And I think that, yeah, it was, I like this part of the article. It was like, ultimately, the judgment is not an indictment of UK employment law, because we do have really good employment law in this country. <laughs> yeah. But it's in... It's its enforcement, so it's took over five years for drivers to get justice. In addition to the work harm done back to the workers, potentially competitors to Uber, who played by the rules, may have struggled in the interim, and they've been kind of... So let's say Captain, who was playing by the rules, have been unfairly penalised by unfair competition while we've been waiting five years for mm. the enforcement of the law to get its, you know, to get... A verdict um so it's just all these i just it, it it all just comes back to our governments just do not know how to handle how rapidly the way of work has changed mm-hmm. um you know it's just yeah it's it's interesting it is yeah but the, everything everything is changing as you say super quick isn't it it's like you know normally there was when you think of like the old way of processes and red tape and everything, like by the time, you know, all of this red tape has been 
created, it's already too late. It's already something else has happened because mm. the world seems almost supercharged. Everything that happens. Yeah. Ever wondered what guarantee comes with a website when it's been built for you? What if something doesn't work, or even worse, stops working? That's why we've introduced our Evolve Lifetime Guarantee. We're able to offer this because we wholeheartedly stand by the quality of work we deliver. If something goes wrong on your website or system, we're on it for free forever. Get in touch to find out more. Should we move on to women on the boards? Women on the boards? Go on then. Yeah. So there's been so a 50% increase in five years, um, being deemed a significant progress for the amount of women that occupy boards, position on boards in the FTSE 350. So it's the top, it's the FTSE 100, add the 250. Um, so... Progress since 2015. There's been 16 so-called one-and-done companies, which is um, when they've only got one female representative, which kind of just people sit, put two and two together and say that they just do it just to fill the position. Um, so the amount of women on boards in October 2015 was 682, and in January this year it was 1,026, um, which is 34.3%. Um, the report comes. So I did find it funny because I was thinking of some of some surprises. So the report comes after um, Ladbrokes appointed its first female chief exec. Um, the appointment took the number of bosses of companies in the top flight index of UK companies to just eight. So whilst women are on boards, they're not necessarily at the top as, as CEO. Um, it was. It showed that only 29.4% of leadership roles defined as members of a company's C executive committee or those who report to the committee are women. Um, and I was like, the best performer in the FTSE 100 was next, um, with 53.8% of women holding leadership roles, followed by Burberry and AstraZeneca, um, which is very timely. Um, the group... This what I, I imagined this in my head. Um, one of the 16 companies with just one woman on the board was Aston Martin. Mm. I just imagined them kind of like all these men talking about cars in this kind of boardroom. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a positive sign. It just has to continue. You um, even how long how long it will take to to infiltrate, you know, the higher echelons that you mentioned there, there was very little representation in. You know, as a, as an older woman now, I hate to say, I hate to say I've given up because I haven't, but it's so disheartening to see the kind of issues that still Still a rampant from when I was your age. I don't think it'll ever get to 50 50. But I I think. You know, you know what's the really sad thing is why? Well, I don't think it's. I don't think that's a necessarily bad thing. Like, of course, aim for 50 50 because statistically, there's actually more women in the world than there is men. Um, but I just think... I don't want us to aim for 50-50. That's not what it's about. I know, but that is what it is about, to to be at that kind of level. But It's about the visibility of seeing women. I know, I know that, I know that. But women are more likely to take a break in their career due to mm-hmm. having a child. So, because they are the childbearer themselves, so they do take time out. Um, yeah, but why, so, why haven't we... Why haven't we, as you know, as a society, addressed that? Well, that's just going against bio- biology, though. You can't well, we go. Can't we address that that a woman can take some time out, but then she can then if she decides to come back, if she wants to, 
she can go through a fast track process to bring her back up to date. Or maybe they should say that you can have as much paternity leave as maternity leave. Exactly. So then more, more men might take the opportunity to take time out for child for childcare. I wonder what those figures would look like if men were given the opportunity to have time out. I know lots and lots of guys over the years who would have given their right arm to spend time at home with their kids. You know, yeah. it just they weren't allowed to. It wasn't, you know, that option wasn't available um you know looking back at, at at our own family you know your dad absolutely loved those days that he spent with you guys um and we were lucky that that wasn't through any sort of paternity deal we were just lucky that for for many much of the years throughout his career he he did work where you know he was able to be at home sometimes um and he absolutely just adored that time that he was able to spend with you. And why shouldn't men, dads, carers be allowed to have those same options? So really it works both ways, you know, that men men have always felt that they've had to be driven towards, you know, this is what they do because they haven't got the option of being part, being at home. Um, So it's a change. It's a societal shift, isn't it? Not only for women, but for men as well, for all of us. And you just think, how will that happen? How will that happen? And you hope that as each generation comes up, that they'll make a stand and go, well, I I want to be at home. And the more of those young guys that do it and they have the conversations with their partners and say, well, which, which one of us would like to do that? Or maybe, you know, you'll do a year of that. And then when you do that, I'll do a year of it. Like, why can't, why isn't life more flexible? You know, we've talked a lot throughout COVID about the new normal and, and work and, and we're going to come on to it with another subject, but the fluidity and the flexibility of the future that we're already, we're already actually in the present, in the future in a way. It's, a, it's going to be about that. So, so why isn't it? Why, why are there not more choices for people? And I mm-hmm. think some of the positive things that are potentially going to come out of what we've experienced are that people will just demand more choice. And I hope yeah. they do. I hope they do. And I hope this fast tracks a lot of these changes that we would all benefit from and our kids would really benefit from. Our kids would benefit so much from spending quality time with both parents, not the dads having to rush home and they've missed, they've missed bedtime, they've missed story time, all those sort of things, because they're the ones working long hours driven like that. You have to remember as well, like, families aren't as nuclear as they used to be either. Exactly, Um, but it's time that we accepted that, accepted mm. that, and that anything anything is normal. If if that's what a family unit wants to be, that's their normal, and they can be that. So I hope that, you know, this time has maybe helped us think about those things more. Because as I say, the sad thing for me, it's not that I've given up, but you just look back over the years and you think, so really there hasn't been a great deal of movement from when I was 25. Sad? Yeah. Well, I think things are changing. Um, but things do take time. You yeah, have to remember- it's always when you're in the moment, when, you, when you're younger, that you think things are changing. And I think potentially it's only when you get to my age and you look back over it, you know, a good span of years. And you think, well, actually, how much did change? Well, no, but, like, some of those facts I read out there, that was five years that a lot of things... I mean, like it... really, really positive, but, yeah, still really slow. I, I saw a quote where it said, achieving equality as well will all will, will feel kind of like your rights are under attack. So, as a man achieving gender equality might feel like that y'all it like it might feel like they're trying to take rights away from you but it's just to, you've had it so good for so long to bring that up to that level it's going to feel like your rights are under attack a little exactly, bit isn't it? it's it's like it's like um you know the movement the you know people of color movement we've been talking about a lot in the past year you know like we say well, like 
how can a white person, a white person of privilege, even consider what they've gone through and going through? And I guess this is a very similar situation, isn't it? Like you could say to a guy, like pipe down because you've had it good for a long time. It's yeah. our turn now. It's a, it's a, it's that similar sort of lookout, isn't it? And it's our not turn, our turn doesn't mean we're going to overtake you. Of course, it doesn't. It, it's just going to feel like that because you've had it so good for so long. Feel like that for a bit till we all sort of, you know, till everything sort of stabilizes and we're all sort of like. Imagine this sort of like fluid line of, you know, there's no sort of like median line. It's just this little bit of fluidity up and down, depending on people's situations and their choices. Yeah. That's yeah. how I feel anyway. Well, we'll monitor that and see how. I'm always right, let's face it. Yeah. Maybe our first hire should be a woman because then we'll have 50 50. We will. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's move on to some dinosaurs, which I was like, she wants to talk about dinosaurs. So there's been two contrasting articles in the last week. HSBC have come out and said that they're going to axe um, global office space by 40%. Um, it does say as profits dive, but it, so it, it sounds on the face of it that they are just reacting to profits going down but it is also reacting to what's happened this year and then the boss of Goldman Sachs the investment company um has basically said that um he completely has rejected work from home as the new normal I do think for a business like ours which is an innovative collaborative apprenticeship culture this is not ideal for us and it's not a new normal it's now it's an aberration that we're going to correct as soon as possible um which he's saying what he means by correcting is that throughout 2020 less than 10 percent of people were in the goldman sachs offices and um, so he wants that to shift um, an aberration i mean what a word to use an aberration i actually saw it on the reason why i, I popped it in the show notes quite late in the day. It was because I actually saw it for the first time. I don't actually know when it was published, but I actually saw it for the first time this morning on LinkedIn. Oh, it's actually only four hours old, that news, um, via the BBC anywhere, via that news source, the BBC. So we're going to we're gonna believe it, aren't we? Um, and, and, and the person's LinkedIn post who posted it, I just put in the comments, when dinosaurs roam the earth, um, it just feels like, I'm sorry, but the picture there of a white man in a suit, you know, and it's just like, get with the programme. Again, it's about choice. Find out your employees, how they work best, and give them that flexibility. Some of them will absolutely love being in the office at 7 a.m., having been the, the gym first or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Some of them will love that and they'll stay there till 10 o'clock at night. And if that's what they want, as bankers, that's up to them. But what if they don't? What if they think that, you know, they can do half the week in the office, half the week at home? One week at home, one week in the office. Mornings at home, afternoons in the office. Like, who gives a shit? As long as we've got the KPIs of what your job role entails and you meet whatever targets, whatever it is that is part of your role within that organisation, who actually gives a shit? Yeah, I agree. I think as long as you can maybe have a few hours where there's a bit of an overlap with everyone, if we're talking office-wise, so you can fill those hours with um, meetings, not that a lot of meetings could have been an email, couldn't they? That that viral saying. Um, but I think I think people. What I'm intrigued to see happening is when things go back to. So say the UK, everything, no social distancing guidelines from the 21st of June, no longer law. Will people be that? buzzing to get back to normal that will settle in that will settle into that again and kind of get the lessons we learned well i've Um, I've actually seen people talk about that 
say that, you know, it'd be quite exciting that buzz to get back into the office and whatever. But it'll soon wear out when you're on the commute and your train gets cancelled and or you're stuck in a traffic jam, you can't get home on time for something. It'll all soon wear off. For me, it's just, you know, and again, being a remote team, we we know the benefits of being able to see each other face to face from time to time. We're not saying, oh, we're all stuck in a bubble and we don't want to see people. We're not saying that. We're just saying we like the options and we like the choice. And actually, at this point in time, my choice is that I quite like doing this. Um, it's been forced on us now, obviously, because of COVID, but we were already remote pre-COVID. Um, but it, it, it's just about, I'm, I'm using that phrase again, fl- well, two, not phrases, words, fluidity, flexibility, choice. Why can't we just let people have that and if and if that means that you get the best out of somebody we've talked before about presenteeism haven't we you know what i've had experience of that where you're sitting at your desk and it doesn't matter what you're doing behind that desk on your on your computer as long as you're there and your bum's on that seat um do you think there'd be a lot of that in banking Uh, there's, there's an element of it everywhere isn't it and you can be like that no, but bank is very, very, um, like, it's very cutthroat and very um, competitive as well. So oh, people... talking about banking, I'm sorry to oh, say. Hang on, hang on. I need oh. to get this in because I'll forget it, you know, and I'm like... <laughs> well, I'll forget my point, but yours goes before mine. No, I'll let you get yours in. Just that if it's so competitive, the sector, that if you've got a manager that gives the attitude that he wants to see bum he or she wants to see bums on seats mm. then people are going to be on bums on seats aren't they mm. so what did you want to say i was sort of digressing but i wasn't you know sometimes you ask me what i've been up to and we didn't start with that because it's just same old shit at the minute same old stuff but you know and it's obviously watching tv isn't it it's, yeah. eating, it's eating cakes, drinking Prosecco, pink Prosecco, <laughs> which is what I've got into now with your dad. Marks what Prosecco? Marks and Spencer's rules a Prosecco. There's a few different ones. I can't remember which one that we've got hooked on, but and he's me who's not normally a drinker. This is what COVID's done to me. Um, but I've been watching Sky Atlantic's Devils, which is um, a bit like your succession that that we love. Yeah. But it's mm. in the world of banking. Oh, it's so good, Declan. So good. It came out, I think, last Friday. And I think I've watched five episodes so far. I saw a tiny little clip. It's got one of my favourite. One of my favourite. Of Succession. The new one? Well, Sky Atlantic put like a coming in the next few months and it was a tiny little bit. And it had the bit how it ended last season when he like, outed his dad, didn't he, and said how awful he was. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for it to come back. Well, this is a bit like the success, not not in the same sense, but it has that it has that vibe about it. It's all about the cutthroatness of of working on a um, the trading floor in a famous bank um, and all the ducking and diving and the deceit. And, and actually, well, I won't do it. What do you call it when you spoil it? A spoiler alert. I won't do it. Um... And it's got one of my favourite American actors in it, Patrick Dempsey. Oh, he's lovely. He's really nice. And then there's another young guy who in it is one of the main characters who I have no clue who he is, but he's absolutely gorgeous. And he's got, I think it's an Italian accent. Um, And I could just listen to his accent all day, all day long, all day long. So it's got everything for me. Um, Thanks for that little digression. Yeah, well, we were talking about banking and, um, yeah, it's, it's well worth a watch. So far, so good. I want to watch that industry because that's about it on BBC as well, on iPlayer. That's about banking? I think it's either um, banking or hedge funds or something. It's all about how the staff are all, it's all just cutthroat and, um, yeah. Right, last topic then, flying through it, but all down to you because... You stuck it on the show notes without me even knowing. Mm. So you want to talk about spy pixels? 
Well, it's just we've we've mentioned it before about remarketing um, in general. Uh, you know how people feel about getting followed across the web when you've been on somebody's website. <clears throat> Don't hear it so much anymore. But often I used to see Facebook posts and go, "Why am I getting followed? I keep seeing all these holidays. What is it? You know, hating Facebook, really hating down on Facebook because they feel like they're tracking them." But obviously. It is to do with Facebook and other um, tech giants as well, Google. But, yeah, obviously now we, people are complaining that this same sort of tracking and everything that they know, every single little move about you is happening in emails, which I, when I thought about it, I thought, yeah. And Gary actually, Gary, for the purpose of our um, podcast, is one of our other directors Gary actually highlighted it to me this morning when we were chatting and said it was something that he'd been watching a program about. And I thought, oh, was it was it the Cambridge Analytica um, documentary, which I almost feel as if was only last year. But are you going to tell me it was the year before? I wasn't twenty twenty. Exactly. How scary is that? I'm chatting Gary this morning. I'm saying, oh, it was only last year. I said, but actually, you're going to tell me it was the year before. Or even the year before, which makes it even more scary. Remember the documentary that was on about it? Mm. When was that on? Oh, God. It wasn't like, yeah. Because it feels like five minutes ago, but it wasn't. Get to the point now. <laughs> so what, what I'm getting to the point is that people, you know, are bothered about being spied on um, and this invasion of privacy. Um an email pixel. So we often talk a lot about a Facebook pixel, don't we? About how when we insert that onto a client's website for them and whoever's going to look after their Facebook and Instagram marketing. Obviously, the Facebook pixel tracks, you know, everything that's going on on the website and then transfers that data backwards and forwards across from Facebook. Um, and But apparently there's something called email pixels. And they log things like when your email's opened, how many times, what device. And it's a bit like, I felt as if, what were they actually talking about? Are they talking about actual emails? Or are they talking about email software, which is what nearly everybody uses? Couldn't figure out from the article what they were actually talking about. And you know what it reminded me of? For example, today we sent out a MailChimp newsletter didn't yeah. we? Yeah. And we can see who's opened it in our list. Yeah. Um, so we can see if it's been opened or not, and then we can also see how many times each article within it. Yeah, we can see, see what time, if they had another look at it, what article. Yeah, if they've clicked on it, you know, the, what articles they've read, if they've gone on any of the social media icons. All of those types of things you can track, but it didn't seem like in this article that that's what they were talking about. It see, and you know what it smacked of? It reminded me of when um, the Facebook guy was having to uh, describe to Congress or that whoever it was about what what the internet is type of thing. Yeah, um, and then I was just sort of thinking, how do we feel about all this in inverted commas spying? Do we think do we think it helps us in any way, or do we really feel like it's an invasion of privacy? Um, I just think you should be able to con. You should be told the facts of how they're using it. Mm. I don't mind being marketed to with all the things that I want. If you get me, like I, I don't mind things of in potential interest to me being served up to me as ads, mm. but I just feel like they should tell you how they're doing that. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot came around about this from um, GDPR, didn't it, when that was when that was launched back in 2015. And I still yeah. feel like there's enough understanding and enough education around that. Um, you know, People just having access to your stuff, like with with our new, like we have newsletter, we have a newsletter, uh, and we state, you know, exactly what it is you can do. It's easy to amend your details or just to quickly unsubscribe. We make it really simple, 
Okay. But how many times have you been on a newsletter where you can't actually find an unsubscribe button? Well, they hide it really well sometimes yeah. now. What's wow. the point? What actually is the point? Because I would, I, I actually had this conversation a few weeks ago with a client. I actually said, you know, I'd rather have 50 people who really want to engage with my business and, and talk about us and buy my services. Or if you're, in, if you're a retail business, 50 people who want to buy your products than 5,000 who just allow your email to come in the inbox and do nothing with it. Vanity metrics, mum. It is, it does, it, yeah. I mean, that's a bit of an offshoot of the conversation, but, yeah, we we often go on about vanity metrics, don't we? Um, and what? So when people say to you, oh, well, we've got 100,000 people on our MailChimp, and I go, and what? What does that bring for you? What does that do? But it's a bit like it's a bit like people saying, you know, they've got um, twenty thousand Instagram followers, and saying that you know brands and and um, PRs need to wise up to those sort of figures. Um, somebody I actually know this week has has come off Instagram. Well, actually, has started a, another account because she didn't like what she was seeing in a feed, which was self inflicted. She felt because she'd grown her Instagram account by having lots and lots of competitions. So yeah. so the followers that she got there, yeah, they'd hung around because they just couldn't be bothered to unfollow or unlike anymore, but they weren't engaging with her. Mm. And at the end of the day, you can't be, in inverted commas again, an influencer anywhere if you haven't got an audience that's engaged and bought into you. Because um, that's the whole point of being able to influence people, isn't it? That, that people like what you do, like what you say, you know, maybe like the lifestyle that you've got and, you know, they want some of that. Um, yeah. and they hang on your words because, you know, you, you deliver the truth. You've got transparency. Everything about you is what they can relate to. And, and you know, I sort of felt an understanding for why she'd done that because she had no way of knowing which of these followers had come to her originally via competitions. And so she wasn't even being able to have any genuine conversations with people because everybody that she was seeing in her feed were just disengaged. So she'd actually gone off and started a new Instagram account from scratch. And she said, I'll let you know how I get on. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, so, yeah, we always say it's a funny old world, isn't it? So what was the point of you putting that spy pixels email? Just point that just that i just wonder how far things can go how far things people will allow them to go and what what people really aren't understanding as well well i got i'll, I'll use an example i got dad that 23 in me thing um for christmas and he just got his results shock he's 88% irish i thought there might be something a bit more interesting in me but no um but, you don't know how you had mine done Oh no, you think you're related to Jesus anyway, don't you? Um but um the, There's a story behind that. I'm not just going around thinking I'm related uh, to Jesus. There is a story. I'm the I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. <laughs> um the So I said, Oh, they've obviously sequenced all your genes now. So do you reckon they sell that off to insurance companies? He was like, Well, you never know, do you? Well, should we ask your dad, did he tick anything along the way that said... He probably said that he'd have his, his, um, his eyes before he dies. Yeah, he, yeah. he signed his organs away. Before he dies. <laughs> so, do you want to tell the Jesus story then before you no, go? No, I don't want to tell the Jesus story today. Why? It's not Have a long story. That's not fun for another time. <laughs> it's just not a long story. Oh, I can't even remember it properly. So basically, I can. Sorry, I can't remember it. Well, you you probably interject. So basically, my name, my maiden name is Sinclair, and I was always told by my (laughs) by my paternal grandparents that. We were Scottish, but the Scottish arm of the family at some point had originally come from France. And when I looked into a little bit, or years and years ago, probably your age, 
the name Sinclair is Scottish, but actually when you look at it over in France, it gets it transposed to Sinclair. And then when I was reading lots of things about um the Holy Grail and all that type of stuff, what is it? What is it? What book was I reading that, that it started it all off with? I don't know. Oh, I can't remember. I'll try and remember for another time because if anybody listening is even interested. Anyway, basically, you know, the Holy Grail and all that stuff. Apparently the keepers of, of over the generations, the thousands of years who who were originally looked after all of that Jesus stuff. Morning. I would have done a little bit. God. Who looked after the Jesus stuff, whatever it is. Did they look after Jesus or did they look after his father? No, Mary, that was it, Mary. Oh, my God. Just spit oh. it out. They looked after his family after he died, basically. And I could be making all of this up now. I could be actually adding my own spin onto it. But whatever way it is, looked after his family, looked after Mary, looked after the Holy Grail, all of that stuff. Wherever it was, it tracks back to a family name of Sinclair. So I jokingly said, one day, I'm related to Jesus. <laughs> Where's Hillary? So, I don't understand why you didn't get me a genealogy thing for Christmas. As if you... I'm more exciting one. You always oh, knew... Oh, dad you know, it'll just say, Tarnaby, Nazi. You always knew your dad was 100% Irish. You always no, knew... I thought he had some Romanian gypsy in him, he used to oh, say. Did he? He used to. Well, well he says I... that and I say Jesus. You say Romanian, I say Jesus. Well, so maybe, we be an one. maybe when I've got some time, I'll... can you imagine that if I was related to Jesus? Uh, all you have to do is spit in a tube. God. Oh, I don't think I'm going to come up with with it that way, do you? Can you imagine? You are related to the Messiah. <laughs> right, are we done? I've always had a Messiah complex. Actually, I don't even know what a Messiah complex is. Could I have had I would, one? I would. What is a Messiah complex? I don't know. A God complex? I've heard of that as well, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know what they are. I don't either. Shut up, but no. we don't. Oh, thank we don't you for listening. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's In The Jeans podcast. You can follow us both on Twitter. I'm at Declan Williams underscore and mum is... Before Enders. We're at It's In The Jeans pod on Instagram and In The Jeans pod on Twitter. You can follow our business at The Digital Gene across social. Please like, share and write review for this podcast. You were going to ask at the beginning for those. No, no. we did that one time. Didn't have to do it. Lap time. Do you remember when you used to say lap time when you were a toddler? Lap time. Right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Nice to see you.